0: Many times, when we look back at history, we read about the big selfless actions and unstoppable movements. From Mohomoza's Nyabinji rebellion to LaQuena's Holy Spirit mobile force, these waves came to change the world. But what are the small sparks that start these unstoppable movements? Hi, I'm Jackie. Hi, I'm Godiva, and welcome to Woolida.
1: This episode will focus on a movement within the institution of marriage, something that will affect most women at one time or another, whether it is actively avoiding it, jumping straight into it, or watching your parents negotiate it, or even all your best friends getting married in one very expensive year.
0: We all have a relationship with this institution. This episode, we also have trivia time. Marriage, in the way we know it now, is a very white thing. So in this episode, we're also going to have the colonialism death toll bell. Every time you hear something directly related to colonialist cultural influence, you will hear the bell. At the end, the person who counts the most bells wins. For example, after the British arrived, Ugandans started eating with forks and knives. Got it? good.
1: But first, let's start with the gentle wedding bells of marriage. The spark for this widespread movement was ignited in the life of two little-known Baganda women in 1947. Our first good Muganda woman marries a young, educated Muganda man in a traditional ceremony. And in fact, he's so smart that he gets a scholarship from the British Protectorate Government to go study outside countries in the UK. The original Osama
0: Did you hear the bell? Are you following? Yeah. Those days before you went, you were encouraged to make a will since anything could happen to you. So, he made the will. In this will, he left
1: all his property to the woman he had been living with and their children, naturally. however. Hashtag men are trash. When he came back, he forgot about
0: the will. In fact, he forgot about the whole first wife. Remember Lawino. He fell for another woman, Lovinsa Senkonyo. Married her in church and forgot to make another will. So imagine this Lovinsa's shock when her new, happily educated, British-accented, creme de la creme husband dies in a car crash and what happened when he died. All his property was to be inherited by the young son of his previous partner. But Lomvisa also had children.
1: She was widowed, penless with mouths to feed and a heartbreak, as apparently he did not even tell her about this previous
0: alliance. So Lovinsa was part of a group called the Young Wives Group. Not Omuchalo Muto like you would think, but the younger chapter of the mother's union. Remember when we referenced it in our education episode?
1: Just so you get a sense of what the Young Wives Group is, a former bishop's wife described it as, and I quote, a trade union of women married in church defending their own rights and status. It's
0: interesting how she describes this club as a trade union because wives are indeed workers. (laughs) So you can imagine when they heard about this car crash, they were scandalized.
1: Now, let's pause here for a moment and be critical about this. This movement wasn't actually started by people fighting for all women. It was a fight for women married in church that started out ignoring those who were unmarried or traditionally married. But interestingly, this exclusionary protest ended up creating results that still protect many women to this day.
0: So we look at this story of one aspect of the Uganda Feminist Movement for what it is, complex. And I would like to ask the audience to think about this as one step on a ladder of many. Ugandan women have continued to build on this foundation, expanding the issues addressed beyond church women's issues. So, let's get into what happened. For Lovinsa, it's time to secure the bag. The Christian married women's group fought for Lovinsa's right, as a church wife, to have a third of her husband's estate and the house for as long as she lived. They wanted her to also have a say in all the matters concerning his estate and be the principal trustee for the children
1: let's remember this was at a time that women weren't working in the way that they are now her husband's death left her stranded
0: she needed protection but what about his first wife traditionally married Mm -hmm. what happens to her In any case, all this went directly against the clan, which usually meddles in estate matters. To handle the clan, the women's group wanted the clan's role to be confined only to the ceremony of declaring the heir and to have no claim on the property. The women's
1: group rallied. They went to the Uganda Council of Women. They stormed the bishop's residency in Namrembe demanding that the church put pressure on the Protectorate government. Lovin's story had struck a chord. It was not just her issue, but many saw themselves in her. It was no longer a personal issue, but it applied to many Christian women. They formed the Widows League and joined the Uganda Council of Women to discuss these laws. This is where things change. Although mostly upper class, these women started challenging both traditional culture and modern, in quotes, colonial culture, looking for their seat
0: at the table. In 1958, Uganda Council of Women member Pumla Sonkole joined the Legislative Council as the first African woman to represent Ugandans in this body. Mm. In 1958, the domestic relations bill was tabled by Barbara Sabin, a European woman who up to this point was representing Ugandans. This was a whole ten years after Lovinsa's case. Slowly, things were happening. They published the booklet, Laws About Marriage in Uganda, in 1961, in simple English and translated it to different languages. Banangi, it Mm. can go backwards. Imagine. Slowly, things were happening. They published the booklet Laws About Marriage in Uganda in 1961 in less technical language and translated it. Thousands of copies were purchased, apparently mostly by men. A commission on laws on marriage in Uganda was instated in 1964 six years after Barbara Sabin tabled the Domestic Relations Bill in 1958. The job of the commission was to travel Uganda and meet people, talking with them about their views on the marriage and divorce laws.
1: We were lucky, and by the we, I mean we at Wulira, that a friend, thanks Getty, found the actual questionnaire that was used in the archives at the Mountains of the Moon University in Fort Porto. Some of the questions included... Do you think old African customs are changing? If so, in what ways are they changing? Should the customary bride price be changed?
0: Yeah, so for me, looking at these questions, I think about the fact that. These are debates we are still having. This is a questionnaire from 1964, I mm. think. And this question of Bride Price has actually stalled the passing of the marriage and divorce bill, which of course started as the domestic relations bill in 1958, up to
1: now 2020. I guess also this what this shows is, like, at the gates at the of patriarchy are some really key women. Because I remember now, like, fast forward to, like, the marriage and divorce that is... Collecting dust on the shelves of parliament one of the key criticism that was coming at kadaga was that she's been in parliament for how many two times that's probably 10 years mm. and the the, the debate ha, yeah, yeah. hasn't moved anywhere and there was a time where the opposition the lead of opposition government chief we as long as well as the um speaker were all women so Many feminists expected that this would be on the agenda... ...but yet it didn't actually appear anywhere... ...and Lovings are still waiting for her
0: day. 70 years. That, by the that thing is actually stressing me. It's really, really stressing me... ...that 1947... ...this woman's husband dies in a car crash... Mm. ...and these women rally together... ...to say, no, like we've seen how this thing can happen. Let's storm the bishop's house, you know. Then 10 years later, we see Pumla in parliament... And um, Barbara, what's her name? Barbara Sabin, Tabling mm. this law, and this was already ten years later for Lovin, Yeah. You know, and now for all of us who are now having this conversation, this is seventy years later. But you know, and, yeah, no.
1: But you know the other the role that the church has played that has that it has played like historically and continues to play because i remember the only time when the bill came on the floor of parliament or they were like proposing that it be removed from the shelf and you know come mm. be actually taken to the committee because it actually like they haven't sat down to do anything with it and one of the critiques from the men was that divorce is very unChristian and very anti-muslim as well yeah. so if they can remove the word divorce, then maybe, just maybe, the law, the law will pass. So there was that whole bit of like to say marriage and divorce is
0: to preempt. It's Anti-Christian, yeah, is
1: to tell people that you can divorce. Well, Christianity is trying to tell people that marriage but, is this yeah, it's permanent uh-huh. till death do you yeah, part. Yeah, but the, yet you're
0: legislating, telling people that you have the option. So yeah. yeah, and I really hate, and I guess this is also a critique of the Ugandan feminist movement then and now mm. yeah mm. um this insistence on begging the church to somehow fight for women's rights you know when these women stormed the bishops the bishop's home mm. i understand where they're coming from because this is a bunch of um middle class women who are trying to protect their rights within an institution that they want to maintain yeah right mm. but this insistence on the church's approval i think is one of the reasons why the the, the bill has never passed up to now they've changed names how many times instead of domestic relations you get. <laughs> um, so I do not know how that then becomes... An, I think it's just like the church and men are interested in protecting patriarchy and there's nothing that we can say that will convince them otherwise. Yeah. So I really think that Ugandan women have to start thinking, one, beyond trying to convince certain allies to help us change these laws mm. to how do we actually Confront tactically confront a society that has insisted on excluding us because really Kadaga has been speaker for how long? Ten years. When was P C O our deputy? Pre- <laughs> yes, vice president. Mm-hmm. How long have the Matembes been threatening to castrate rapists? You know, mm-hmm. eh? yeah. like yeah, it's it's too slow. It's too like it. It reminds me of that frustration that James Baldwin expresses when he says, "How long do you need for your progress?" Um, honestly, your progress. how long? <laughs> How long are we going to wait it's so, for, it's, like, women you know, to be protected? You it's actually so
1: appropriate. It's taken yeah. my mother's time, my father's time, my children's time. How it took...
0: Yeah, <laughs> we can actually count the women whose time it has taken. Law, Vincent. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how many post time has it taken for women to still be saying, we mm. need a law that protects our rights in marriage? You know? It's yeah. It's it's a bit disappointing for me, honestly. As an activist, mm. it's it's a thing that makes my heart heavy, mm. because it, it makes me realize that so much of the change that we are fighting for, even when it makes sense in society at the time, yeah. is something that we will never live to witness. Yeah. Maybe we should, you should just like pull the rug under
1: and just start the campaign of. of Uh, marriages live free labor for men. Just women should just like abort the whole institution, you know? (laughs) Mother, that's my
0: favorite but about this episode is how like mothers union was real characterized as a labor union. That's Mm -hmm. something that married women actually need to. Maybe that's the new direction we should take. Yeah, because if we've been at this for
1: 70 years and nothing is happening,
0: how about we start saying married women should start fighting for their rights as liberals.
1: Uh-huh you know under trade unions, that could actually work
0: you guys but also just to say fuck marriage like anyone who's aspiring to get married you have problems because after hearing all the things we've said about this institution not just Buganda patriarchy but even Muzungu patriarchy then you still want to enter surely
1: there's like the certain status that it it gives you you know you you, you become muchalawani but that's anyway
0: Yeah, but that's also a thing that women have to consider because if we are sitting down and saying that we've been fighting for protection within this institution for this long and it is not yet coming, mm. and the same arguments that were made in 1947, mm. in 1958, in 1964, are still being made to us now in 2020 by parliamentarians like Odoga Oto. Mm. I think we have to realize that, that we is, start to, we have yeah. to start thinking beyond this institution. Yeah. Maybe we need to start thinking about dismantling this whole dependence of women on men mm. beyond just marriage. Like yeah. we have to start thinking. Beyond married women? How do we protect all women, mm. including women who are not connected to a man? I actually
1: mm. think there are ways in which the marriage institution uh, still affects women, especially like
0: younger women. But also the fact that the Ugandan feminist movement, or should I say, women's rights agitation, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm initially really started on the backs of these middle class women who yeah. are very much invested in protecting this status quo. Yeah. It means that the status associated with marriage has continued to be like a thing that can be used to elevate some women yeah. over others, yeah. you know?
1: You know you know those critics that people on Twitter, especially people who come for like uh, Twitter feminists, mm. and then certain Twitter feminists is married, then they'll be like, so you're, you're here telling women men are trash, yeah, but you're, you're, married. you're married, you know, like it's like you <laughs> secure at the bag yeah 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 the money is the bag <laughs> you know like you secured the bag now you're like misadvising this, yeah, these the children so confused it's 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 so it's so sad though that that's like the, the things that we are told to aspire to can you imagine yeah. like being a
0: casual liberal
1: I like, know <laughs> it's
0: like a whole aspiration <laughs> yeah so basically what this Ali Ugandan feminists did Mm. was contribute to the creation of a hierarchy in Mm. which married women who first of all are eating crumbs Mm. at the top yeah, and then the rest of us have to eat the crumbs of the crumbs. I really think that that's like fine. I really love that women who are willingly entering into this institution Mm. can access certain protections and we have continued to fight for them to access those protections. Yeah, But I do think that we need to be careful of that continued...
1: hierarchy hierarchy.
0: of a good woman is one who is married she's the one we should fight to protect Mm. the rest of you at the bottom that's where you fall in you know and then it also creates so much room for the abuse of women when marriage is the one thing institution for protection because also another thing that is keeping the marriage and divorce bill from passing Mm. is the fact that it has a section that makes it a crime to rape your wife yeah And of course, the church is arguing that you cannot rape a person you're married to. And of course, men are arguing that you cannot rape your wife. You know? And of course, sadly, there are many women who are arguing that like you should not deny your husband sex, you know? So that's also another conversation that I, has I, I told. The, the
1: patriarchy really plays a number on nice. us. Can you imagine like yeah. all these things that are wrong with this institution but you wake up every day wanting to wear like some gown, walk down and then stress us contributing to b- 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 <sighs> Thank contributing. God it's yes, for scientific <laughs> weddings,
0: right? <laughs> imagine a Zoom wedding meeting. <laughs> Exits call. <laughs> you know? Another thing that we need to point out here mm. is that there is some similarities but definitely differences mm. between um, the patriarchy that was practiced in Ugandan societies prior to contact with British colonialists mm. and the um, the ways in which that patriarchy morphed mm-hmm. after contact I and mean, with the ways that our marriage and divorce laws are not just um, engines of African patriarchy yeah. but actually engines of colonial British patriarchy. Mm-hmm. This idea for example, of inheritance of property by Mm -hmm. like a wife and Three children and whatever. You know, mm. that's a very British idea because before, Baganda women were not um, inheriting property as a wife because mm-hmm. property belonged to the, the clan or was owned um, collectively by mm. people. So I think that that's also a new problem that like, became our problem as Ugandan feminists because mm. of the ways in which the British told us that an individual can own property and they can die and leave it to you once they die. Okay, you know, patriarchy has mocked into
1: the yeah. individual and the collective. I don't know if, if, as a feminist movement, like making these these distinctions is really like important in terms of f- for us to strategize, or we are coming at it as this like collective block, or maybe because I think that sometimes like the counter argument for feminism is that these things are un-African. So maybe in, in, in understanding what was yeah. already practiced in terms of own, owning our own patriarchy mm-hmm. and the yeah. other the, the, the other key things like like on like who owned the children mm-hmm. or uh, how things were divided or gender roles, maybe those can come in as like uh, uh, maybe weapons for feminists to say, look, fe- the feminist movement has always been here. What yeah. what we what we have here is just language and framework mm. that
0: is, you know. And then these ones just added for us things to fight against, which exactly. they were already, the, like the ways they were oppressing their women, mm-hmm. then got got added into ways that. And, and the Ugandan men were like, here we go. Of course, what? they are fighting for it to death. <laughs> hey, these guys really enjoy
1: I think maybe, like, the questions we should be asking yourselves, I mean, for those who aspire to this marriage thing, key, key things is why. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to get married? And maybe if you can be honest with yourself from there, then you can we can probably have a conversation going forward because I don't see, like, there's no legal protection in terms of property. Yeah. You'll be screwed over.
0: I think the major benefit for marriage for... I guess especially married women because the assumption is that we come from a culture where women don't really inherit property. Mm. So most women will probably enter into a marriage landless mm. and acquire property together with their husband. I think that that's, that's the main um, protection that our courts have offered. Mm. They don't protect anything else. And I, for me, I'm inclined to think, especially with the ways that our laws have developed over the years, mm. um, including, of course, with the influence of colonial patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? is that most women are actually more protected outside of marriages. Yeah. Because women are not just unprotected by the law, they're mm. also unprotected by society. True. This stereotype of, like, Lovin's story. Let's not even go beyond Buganda. Let's just mm. stay here in Kampala and surrounding <laughs> massacre areas. You can... This story is so common. You can literally walk into, like, let's say a conference room, let's not even say a a market, Mm. into a conference room with middle class, these women of, this of of, like, Lovin's, you know, class, and ask them about a woman who has been abandoned or who has found herself stranded Mm -hmm. because her husband left property and now the clan has appointed an heir. It's like the storyline of three stories Jennifer Makumbi has written. (laughs) You get, it's that common. Uganda women to yeah. be denied property in this man. I really think that women. But even when, about, if,
1: even outside of the property, if the man didn't hold property, clans usually will divide the children as well. Mm-hmm. Because if the woman, if they claim that the woman is incapable of taking them, taking care of them, then they start to redistribute them to Ankwa Gundi. Mm-hmm. You go here, like outside of the woman's, you know, authority or even of your consent. Own yeah, and they just be like, this is this going is here. Husband, this is this our husband's, son's so property. Sad continues to happen across cultures as well. And
0: I think the most recent case we have is the decision that the court handed down to say that um, it is unconstitutional for clan members and husbands to leave property to the eldest son and, like, basically leaving a woman to be a tenant at Sufferance in her own house, you know, which she basically built together with her husband, and to say that the son will hold it while she stays there until she gets married or until she dies. I think the court has said that that's against the rights of women now. Yeah. Um, the case is the case of Kolia versus... Kolia! <laughs> My Uganda is suffering. But anyway, the case is Kolia versus Kolia. Um, it was civil suit number one hundred and fifty of twenty sixteen. Imagine again the point of time, you yeah. know. But you know what? What's so so interesting in
1: terms of context and in terms of Buganda is I think was it the late Swambi when he actually like legally left his property to, to his, his daughter. daughter, and then you have this the clan, clan
0: was up in arms, you know. I'm yes. trying to say that they're going there to court. Are so many like, men. Yeah. how do you
1: even pro- like contest something that is legal, and you say you want to take it back to the same courts and claim that this shouldn't be a thing that the property should go to the very many men in the clan, which is just... You know, a lot of this shit is bullshit. Yeah, and with G, so what makes this particular case, a landmark, you know, case and something that people should know about in the
0: first place? Huh. I think, first of all, is the fact that it extends, it mm. extends um, a rule that for the longest time, I guess, people understood as the um, more a function of protecting property versus protecting an individual mm-hmm. because initially courts were very concerned with ensuring that the property of a deceased person ends up in the in the hands of an heir either that they've chosen or that has been chosen according to the traditions of that person Mm -hmm. but of course when you realize that in this traditional process and this is the thing is that the court is questioning a traditional process within certain chiganda i guess communities families Uh that the clan comes together and they choose an heir and of course the societal perception continues that women do not inherit property so even in cases where women can inherit property people will appoint a male heir And so a woman, and I think that what this thing, what this ruling does, is that it's not about just the protection of property of a deceased person, Mm. but the protection of, like, someone who's still living who might have helped in the acquisition of that property. Which most of the time is actually true. Yeah, that women do a lot of work in the acquisition of property. Yeah. And then at, at some point it goes. I think the problem with women's rights issues is that oftentimes we have to rely on the sensibilities of people to enforce rules that already exist because mm-hmm. in this in this case the judge relied on article thirty one of the constitution which basically talks about protecting the rights of women. Mm. This thing has existed <laughs> in the constitution for how long you get eh? <laughs> even the courts even the courts in um the case that said it's only the return of bride wealth that's unconstitutional. Mm. They were also asked to look at Article, article 31 of the 31. constitution. So I think that oftentimes we tend to have to depend on, like, the sensibilities of activist judges, of judges yeah. who are willing to push the mark. Because too often, um, people just want to maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe, yeah. and then also, like, the time. Like, where, like, in time, the time that we're in, mm-hmm. where, like, key movements have come up, you have more more conversations around, like, women's rights. You have... you, you you even have, like, so-called allies who are now in, this, in, in, the, in these places who claim to be mm. fathers of daughters. Yeah. So you have these people in these places, whether as lawyers or as judges, and, and, you know, just seeing, like, the things, like something that can happen to someone who is, was as powerful as in Sibambi, and then trying to rectify that mm. in with whatever power that you have based on what you now believe, you know?
0: Yeah. So society has shifted. I hope so. And I guess that was our point earlier that slowly, (laughs) slowly, (laughs) things shift slowly, but they shift. So If you're the Lovincer, shout. Like, if you're (laughs) silent about your pain, people will kill you and say you enjoyed Enjoyed it, it. like Zora Neil Hurston says. Mm. So, yeah, shout out to the Lovincers out there who started us on a path for change, which we are still demanding now, but we have more precedents to demand it with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's remember where all this started. Lovincer. One widow's plight had gone from the protection of Christian marriages... ...to a national debate on the status of all women in Uganda. One woman and her all-too-common trash man. A small spark. A conversation that turned into a movement... ...impacting all women countrywide then and now, including you... ...if you're into that marriage shit. So, Lomisa's
1: story started in 1947. In 1958, what is now called the Marriage and Divorce Bill... ...was tabled on the floor of Parliament... As of today, it has not yet passed.
0: Anyway, let's count our bells, Jackie. I feel like one bell should be added <laughs> for our oh, call on your names. <laughs> <laughs> <Good evening. laughs> yeah, Jackie. Can we guess a you know? <laughs> 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 anyway, so how many bells did you hear? How many bells uh, do you think rang? My guy. Uh, sh- I will say ten you had mob okay this is unless you're counting the reverse bill as two
1: I, i'm here i'm, I'm running with I'm, I'm running with it i don't
0: know how many do you think i know me i don't think there were 10 how many do you think there were i think there were like maybe f- f- five or six hmm. i think okay let's say there were four mm-hmm. but i'm counting the reverse bill. that that went when we started reversing colonial patriarchy. I'm (laughs) counting it as two bills because I think if we're counting bad things once, (laughs) surely good things are worth more. So... I think I've won this session, Jackie. How did you hear ten bells?
1: Inflation, <laughs> I, I I don't know, but uh, well, we'll see um, at the end of it all. Who's who, who? Wait, who's 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 being like? Who's telling these votes? Because how sure are you that you're right and and I am wrong? Believe
0: women, please. <laughs> and um, we are under the presumption that I am what? <laughs> Start with me first. <laughs> The producer has said, "Have the <laughs> My producers, producers.
1: <laughs>
0: the producers have said, "Stop loving." So the producers have said, I won. <laughs> Let, uh, me yeah. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain my win. Uh, Let me explain my win. So technically... tell them what actually the yes. producers say, then we can explain uh, okay. your win okay. afterwards. So they okay. can okay. be the judge. The but judge. I'll have time to explain my uh-huh. win. Yes. Okay. So the producers have said mm-hmm. that there were how many bells. Six, six bells. bells. Uh-huh. That's excluding the death toll, which I counted twice. Mm-hmm. So if we count those six bells, plus the death toll, that means eight. Mm -hmm. But if we don't count the death toll in the producer's count, I'm
1: right. But how, how are you right when the producer said But first of all Jackie, you said ten or twelve. <laughs> you, but I was, you're but, not but in eight. the vicinity of no. the correct people. No, but eight, ten minus eight, that is two. I lost by two. Good, good. who is your math?
0: Oh my gosh, this is so cool. You guys let us know if you also won like me. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Or if you're petitioning and contesting like me.
0: These results. <laughs> We are excited to say that this season of Bulira is made possible because of feminist money. Specifically donated by the African Women's Development Fund and Frida, the Young Feminist Fund. We would appreciate more from the rest of you. (laughs) May feminist money really increase. Thank you for
1: listening. You can find Bulira on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter. And as usual, all our notes and sources will be shared on our Medium page.